I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. So uh, do you want to talk about movies? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I'm Big Meg Jansen. I'm Noah the Bambino Jansen. Bambino means baby. I'm the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eliza Macaroni Eater Jansen. And this is Twin Peaks. Gosh, I love movies. It's the family podcast that takes two films with some sort of tenuous connection, makes a double feature out of them, and decides which one accomplishes its mission better. How are we all doing today? This conversation better be good because you're interrupting my grub. <laughs> grub. <laughs> Wait, this is your character's thing. He's this always just like, this is, good this is not going to go down well with Big Tony. <laughs> oh my God. Do um, you want me to tell Fats or should you? <laughs> Is this well, racist? I don't know. We, we were asking, we like, is this, I don't Maybe know, this is it is negative stereotyping. Yeah. Like, is it? It's saying Italian then, Americans are like, they love to eat lasagna. <laughs> yeah. That's so they offensive. Do. <laughs> oh, they yeah. do. They're criminals, thugs, yeah, kind of dumb know. masculine. But then are all gangster films then like. Yeah, isn't it against? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Culturally appropriate. I don't know. Anyway, so today. I want to do my impression. I want to do it. Do it. What if you can't do it? But what if I do it and then next week I'm on the front of get the whacked. Sydney Morning Herald? By the butcher boys. <laughs> <laughs> I the think stick with it. <laughs> your creative flair wants, you know, let your freak flag fly, you know? I'll mm. do what the baby wants to do. <laughs> me, I'm the baby. I'm the baby. You gotta love me. Gotta <laughs> love me. <laughs> <laughs> so Little oh dinosaurs, baby Sinclair reference for if you there. If you guys anyway. hadn't picked it, we are speaking to a very specific genre this week. We're talking about ga- two gangster films. Woo! Um, we will be speaking about The Irishman, the 2019 film. It just came out on Netflix, directed by Martin Scorsese. Very hotly anticipated. And we will be talking about Once Upon a Time in America, which is a um, 1984 uh, gangster film directed by Sergio Leone. Mm. Um, both films starring Robert De Niro, Babe, total yeah. Babe. Um, they both have Joe Pesci as well. And Joe Pesci as well. And they both have that kind of Teamsters union thing. It's about like, the, you know, Italian-American, mm. and they're both Jewish like, mafia, yeah. all this, yeah. They're both three and a half hours long as they well. Are, and, they're and long films. And that epic films. thing of like looking at, a Someone's gangster's life, life through yeah. different ages, jumping between the different yeah. ages. And they also, stuff. yeah, they all follow a non-linear, yeah. um, well, depending on the cut, but um, non-linear frame and, yeah, so those are our films. Just mm. before we get into it, though, we did want to um, actually give a little shout-out. So we have right in front of me, um, we use Transistor. It's just how we follow our, how we're faring. It's like a podcast like like a platform so you can thing. see the analytics of yeah. Who is listening. So yeah. we know when you listen and when you don't. <laughs> we know. And we're sending our boys around. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we are able to see where our listeners come from. We have some very, okay, it's 
percent. Yeah, if one person has listened, if one person's listened, it's, it's about zero point one. Yeah, so one <laughs> listenership. We wanted to shout out to the the one person, one people persons. Does that make sense? I don't know. They're like in the game. following countries, the one person we see you and picks we love you. listeners. So we want to shout out you and to your eyes. <laughs> What's Kuwait? Kuwait in Africa. Okay. I think that's our only African country that has a listener in it. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Kuwait. Brazil. Welcome. Thank you. Turkey. Yeah. yeah. India. Wow. Woo-hoo. Nepal. Oh. Switzerland. Nice. Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. Oh, hey. What? Oh, we have, hey. Why do we have a listener in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not That's pretty weak. That. When you see the size of the country, we have lots Canada. In America. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 we really hated about Black Canada. Christmas. I was Last nice week. to Black Christmas. Wait, let me shout out to our other listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Philippines, one. Woo! And Hong Kong, two. <laughs> yes, Hong Kong, stay strong. Yeah. We believe we in you. you. Wow. Just got really can you political. actually check Italy real quick? Um, can, I don't. Hang on, let me. I don't know yeah. how to do it. I'm sorry, I'm not very tech savvy. I want to know if see we've... them dropping real oh. time. While right Eliza now. does this, I did also want to flag that I'm super excited for this episode because gangster films are my favourite kind of movies. Yeah, you love it. Meg Randall claims every couple of months that she has a new favourite genre of film. No, she really likes I gangster I love gangster films. It's I like, very weird. I could watch them any day of the week. Um, they would be like my go-to. Okay. okay so I'm two, happy to get I'm get glad you said it. that. There are two genres of film that really scare me. Uh, <laughs> gangster films. Cause like I get scared. I don't really get what like you. Wait, you're scared of just seeing like He's an idiot. Like, no, the, these are the two genres of films that I don't like because of the logic of that. I don't always get it. Okay, yeah. gangster films like Goodfellas. I kind of sometimes don't understand it. Um and um movies about the stock market like uh, the Big, Big Short. Short and stuff. No, that, I love that them. Shit like anything Adam McKay. So much. The best thing Wolf of Wall Street does is when he comes out and he's like. Look, you don't have to understand any of this. I literally nearly cried. I was like, thank you, Leonardo. <laughs> thank you, Jordan. <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, we officially have zero American, I mean, Italian listeners. So well, hopefully yeah. that changes. But in America, our list, the 20.71% of our listenership is from the United States. So some of those might be like mob guys. In yeah, New York. maybe. Yeah, truly. Are or maybe it's everyone that works at the White House from our White House Down episode. Yeah. Yeah, they're really They're like, gosh, I hope they do another similar episode to that. <laughs> It's not going to happen, spoiler. Um, Stunning. So should we get into it? Should we start with the Irishman? I'm getting hungry. Okay, we're going to start with the Irishman. Let's go. Let's get some grub going. Irishman is a 2019 film directed by Martin Scorsese and it's written by, I don't know how to say his last name, Stephen Zalian. Yeah. Do you reckon? I think that sounds right. He did Moneyball, right? Yeah. Um, And it's based on the 2004 book, I Heard You Paint Houses, which is also sort of another title that the film is known by. Um, The idea being like the Irishman, the like eponymous character played by Robert De Niro, Frank Sheehan, like paints houses in the sense that he like kills people. He like explodes paints people's heads their, and their like, blood, blood paints houses. Um, which I think is very clever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it starts Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, Mwah. which is just like a stunning little nod. And it's got Harvey Keitel Bella. in there as well. So it's like a stunning nod to that like gangster film genre, um, you know, the films that these careers were sort of born from. Um, And it also features, I thought, a really good performance by Ray Romano. It's got Anna Paquin, who is a little girl from the piano, and she did um, that vampire series, True Blood. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's a it's a huge film. It's an epic crime film. 
Um, it runs about three hours and it was like released. Three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. Released on Netflix. Um, it sort of transcends, in my opinion, um, most gangster films in the sense that it is probably more of a reflection or like a meditation on like the aftermath of what mm. most other gangster yeah. films care about, which is the action and crime and the the ruse. Whereas yeah. this is about, well, it, what it grows to become is about the guilt afterwards. Like after this, you know, there's this older man, Frank Sheen, it's Robert De Niro's character reflecting on his life and mulling over the guilt that he feels for the pain and suffering caused by him, but also him sort of not being able to deny his loyalty to like mm. all the people that he was indebted to and, you know, these criminals and everything. Um, what was your, how did you guys like the film? Because I know a lot of audiences have found it a little bit more, um, well, critics of the film have said that it's too long or too um, too dense to get that reading from it. Would you agree? I, I, I completely, I think exactly what you've said is the thing that excites me most about the film or that I appreciate the most about the film is that with the Irishman, Scorsese recognises his skill in his other films that we don't talk about enough, that here he emphasises, which is that Goodfellas and a lot of his other mafia films make a point about that it's actually about the personal mm. weight and toll of this industry beyond the, like, sexy mafia business, you know, the, like, yes. blood, gore, violence. Like, his films actually are about the personal toll that takes. And I love that yeah. here I see a filmmaker who is, you know, obviously an established, like, one of the will who forever be. Who kind of created be, the genre. Completely yeah. and will forever be an, this icon mm. still learning and growing and saying, I'm going to make a film that takes that element and mm. emphasises it with the most powerful part of the film being these last 30 minutes where you sit with mm. a man that's like Absolutely. really, I think something in both of these films this week that is most interesting to me is that you really can't get out of this business unscathed. Yeah. Like even if you survive, you might as well not, not have. have. Um, that being said, this film's too long. Really? Wow. Yeah. It doesn't, for someone that bags, like I hate, like who the fuck cares what Martin Scorsese thinks about Marvel films and stuff being like, they're not cinema. I go, Irishman is way too long. You can't watch oh, it in one sitting. It's I too think, long. I think it depends on how much you're willing to like follow the sort of, you know, nitty gritty plot lines because it's set against, you know, this whole like the polit politics of the era. So you've got the Kennedys in there and they're shoving all these big, you know, almost signifiers, cultural signifiers to the time. You've got these characters in there. The whole thing is sort of about Jimmy Hoffa and we've got this whole Teamsters union, everything is very like signifying to the past. If mm. you're willing to commit to that and you care enough about the film to be like, okay, like let's see who all these characters are. I don't think it feels too long because you need to come to a an organic like progression for all of them, which I think you do. It feels long, but it's a very epic story. So I don't hate it. I also yeah. like a gangster film, so I'm unbothered by it, but I can see why someone being like, Oh, Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and more than that, like on Netflix, okay, I'll watch it. But this isn't, yeah. I don't I know. I did not yeah. think it was too long at all. Like I've seen it like three times now. Yeah. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Usually, I've watched it twice. I saw it in cinemas, no watched way. it at home, and then Dad was like, oh, I was asleep was for that. I'll rewatch it, yeah. it. And the bits that he didn't re-rewatch, I watched it. <laughs> yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, so you, I just yeah. find it really immersive and like, 
I think you, you like the exhaustion of the character comes across in the audience because you're like, yeah. I've been sitting here for three and a half hours. Sitting with this character. My friend Ivana pointed out is longer than it takes Frank to fly out and kill his best mate. His best friend. Like yeah. the plane trip he takes to go up God, and kill Al Pacino what a is point. three hours long. The movie is three and a half hours long. Like you are sitting there for longer than it took him to murder the only person. And that he's is sort of loved. the pinnacle of the film. We should yeah. that that's where it that's where we're getting to is this sort of like mo- like that is the culmination of all his you know, acts of crime. I think both of these films use their length in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. I think they both say something about, um, like we'll talk about Once Upon a Time in America when we get there, but Mm -hmm. I think the time here, um, to me, what is so effective about the film is it kind of catapults and moves at such a pace that, as you say, you always stay engaged with Mm -hmm. it and you're moving with it and moving with it. And then towards the end, things kind of slowly grind to a halt and you see an old man left with like that whole time he never stopped to think about what he would be left with as his actual legacy not Mm. the legacy of shiny rings and and ceremonies but like his relationship with his family and um things like that like that is the most effective part of the film interestingly like I don't get why, like, what do we think of the whole controversy about the Anna Paquin thing? Because to me it's, like, the film's most effective piece of uh, character development that I think it's a great testament in this film to that you don't need, like, chunks and chunks of dialogue to say we developed this character. The reason that you get to know Robert De Niro's character so well is that he never lets anyone in yeah. at all he's always just like he's all oh, he's a big yeah. bitch he's like i'll yeah. do whatever you tell me to do i'll do it <laughs> yeah. i'll do it i'll do it yeah. and then yeah. at the very end he's just like isn't able to talk about he's his like, emotions Wait, what happened why does yeah. why do i have no why one left to I love exactly he isn't able to talk about daughters. emotions like it's what it's, it's yeah. that he never talks about anything that means that yeah. we know this character so well because we go look at what a small man you are that now yeah. anna paquin who doesn't have like she literally has about ten lines in the she whole has movie. Six lines. So that's she the says, controversy surrounding. Why, why? Why haven't you called Joe? That's it. <laughs> she knows. It's literally to me one of my favorite bits was when he had to call Hoffa's wife. Yeah. And mm. you see, you're just like you are this like he's stuttering. Shell of a person. He's a coward because he, he has nothing to say. Yeah. Just to summarize the Anna Paquin mm. thing, there was a big debate when this movie came out about critics of Scorsese who had been particularly riled up because Scorsese has been on this anti-Marvel bent in the past couple months um a lot of people latched onto the Anna Paquin character as like a sign of Scorsese's like old school filmmaking Mm. because the character only has six lines in the whole film and she's Mm. like the only main female cast member yeah but like and hearing that like hearing the buzz and being like wow she does not talk at all I was disappointed and was like yeah. yeah, like even if it's symbolic, like why is it always a symbolic female character? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, how that's not every true. dude. That's true. But I think she's so impactful in the movie. Uh, Anna Paquin's performance. It's so is how every time so he does moving. something, you're like, she's gonna know. She sees yeah. you. She, like, she, she, she sees, sees you. right through you. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. I can yeah. absolutely see, especially when Scorsese has been such a denouncer of like the new waves of cinema. The fact that he's benefiting from platform like Netflix and so obviously and from the de-aging has. technology. Exactly. It's a really interesting thing. So the isn't film capitalizes on CGI technology to make Robert De Niro and like all of his colleagues in the film come across as younger. They don't have like doubles cast yeah. as like twenty-year-old whatever De Niro. Um, so yeah, like you can't like it's, there is an argument to be made that Scorsese simultaneously benefits from and denounces the very literally yeah. same thing. Mm. Um, like where cinema's going, but at the same time. Like, 
I don't know if any of you have watched it, but the Netflix released a like in, yeah, conversation, in conversation on the Irishman. Oh, I haven't seen it. Wait, is it them like all at a diner? At a stuff? little round table, yeah. Oh, so it's cute. cute. Uh-huh. It's something so nice about seeing all these like legends of acting together yeah. talking about like one script. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with um, this huge movie. I'm getting excited. Yeah, yeah. this movie feels yeah. really big, doesn't it? But yeah. I think I don't think it's an epic, like you said before. Oh, you don't think so? No, because I think it focuses on all the unglamorous things about an epic like crime movie. Yeah, okay. In, okay, so you oh think my. the fact that it doesn't, it like I think if you want to juxtapose this to something, it would probably be something like Casino, which yeah. is super like druggy. I feel like you can juxtapose this to Once Upon a Time in America, probably. which is a film which that we sets are. out to be like, <laughs> this be is like the this. name in epic, big, like character. cross yeah. decades yeah. character mob story. But you, why do you think it's not an epic? I just think the word epic doesn't, like I don't think you feel that quality while watching, like I think it has a lot of the same pet interests as a lot of other Scorsese stuff, like mm. bro friendships, like male mm. friendships, brotherhood, like family, honour, whatever. But in this case, I think it's like this weird, sour, like morbid take on all of that. And like the ca- the costumes people wear, the settings, like they're all kind of like dowdy. And like, yeah, I, I work. Yeah, I agree with that. There's nothing yeah. glamorous about this film. I feel like it's very like minor version of Stuff like Casino, which is yeah. a really major movie. Characters are screaming at each other. Yeah. There's hot yeah. women. Like you it hear is all a big about, yeah. fellas. and you yeah, hear about all the criminals' that. like personal lives, and you see them like get to be awesome. In this, every kill that Frank does, you're like, Yuck. that was kind of a bitchy like move. Yeah, like, and it's cowardly. He's, yeah. he's from He'll behind. He'll shoot people in the back. He'll yeah, like there are no last walk up words. to him like a friend and shoot them in the face and scurry away like a rat. Yeah, like, that's true. I, yeah. Oh. Whereas you know the whole thing with Goodfellas is literally it's all in the first line of like my whole life like, I, I wanted want to, to be, be a, a gangster. gangster and yeah. it's like being a gangster is like yeah it's, it's like cool. it's like they're like these cool little yeah creatures that like slink around the place yeah. whereas yeah, yeah. here they're ugly like that tracking shot in Goodfellas where. Henry and Karen yeah, Hill are going yeah, around the yeah, club yeah, yeah. and it follows them. It's like, oh. this is why you would want to be a gangster. Because like, here it's a retirement yeah, he's home. so interconnected and stuff. In this, it's like he's sitting by himself in, in a, a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. Yeah, Nobody so likes Jack him. Was, that is such a <laughs> good point to film, make. Yeah. When we're tracking and feeling a sense of space and movement in this film, it's when he's sitting by himself in it's a to retirement show, like, home. Yeah. To show how empty it is and how much, how lonely he is. He's just like sitting with himself mm. and barely sitting with the mm. priest who has to leave yeah. for Christmas. And every time it like signposts the character to be like look this is like a cool connection he has it's like this is how they died alone yeah. without people to love them like betrayed yeah. by their best mates this person like, died by being like you know two yeah. years later or whatever it's um, such an interesting thing sorry just going back a little bit to what you said about scorsese like both clearly like that, that it's with that whole group of new age mm. like you know the boys, boys that were the, the new age like, like spielberg you know really denouncing netflix films as mm. films this year they might get the most best picture noms yeah um <laughs> and you know, very interesting this week, uh, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, Hollywood Reporter came out with stats being like, if, like, he's always said he wanted to make The Irishman this way, if it had come out in cinemas it at this length, it would have bombed. Yeah. And it's Netflix's yeah. most expensive film mm-hmm. and uh, they don't release their stats, but they say it's their most successful. So due to the Netflix form, Scorsese got We're to make to exactly the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, and I think that this is a great thing. I think, like, Netflix... In, in its um, production is, like, allowing its filmmakers the autonomy. That yeah, to make things in the form that they want like, and yeah. in the form that they want to do it. I think yeah. it can be restrictive in other cases, though. Like, I think a lot of movies have a Netflixy look when yeah, they're an so original true. film, but, yeah. like, this and is Scorsese. And a lot of things that know? just go straight to Netflix that never get the... Yeah. Like, we all have something on Netflix that we're like, 
you stumbled upon it or you heard of it and you're and like, it's actually good. This, this was never in cinemas. Well, that's the whole annihilation thing that like nobody saw yeah, that in cinemas. And you're like, that movie is designed for, for a cinemas, theater. Yeah. Whereas, which is mm. obviously Scorsese also, he, because Netflix gave him this opportunity, he can't outright say it, but he's always like, please see this in cinemas. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is yeah. a sad part. That it's also just, just such a complicated to dynamic the, like, this film. Well, yeah, it's, mm. it, and it's born from that old idea that like films are better than you know, television is because we yeah. watch television in a domestic space and we watch films at cinemas. And then once films have moved to a domestic space, then they're sort of denigrated. Yeah, I guess I don't. Extent. I guess but speaking back to what I said before, how I think the length goes against this film. I mean, I I think the length in Once Upon a Time in America that movie really feels like a movie. I don't think The Irishman distinctly feels Ooh. like it needs to be a movie, especially as we I said recently coming out of Avengers Endgame. So interesting that I see that and this is really similar in the way that like, which is so Marty's like, no. <laughs> in that I go in the next 20 years, we're going to see a transition into a new form of media that isn't a film or a movie. Yeah. It's a weird hybrid of whatever mm. the fuck you want to do. It's literally like. Which is exciting in some ways. Yeah. It scares me a bit because I just go, we're calling this a movie and I go like, it just, it feels, it doesn't feel like a movie. I don't know why. I suppose I it could also, I wonder if this film could be told in like chapters more. That's what I mean. It well, feels, it feels like it yeah, up. some yeah. guy posted on Twitter saying like, "This is how you watch the Irishman as a, a mini series." Yeah. He said like, "At this oh, point, turn that. it off, and that'll be episode one." And like, yeah. people like Did raged it. against him and were like, "How dare you!" Like, this was made to be a cinematic experience. It's like, mm. well, if that'll make some people don't want to enjoy that movie. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that makes people watch like, it, like Scorsese yeah. would have known that going into the process, being like, "Oh, yeah. people might turn this off twenty minutes in." And I watched this film in a few chunks. Right. Well, that's what happens when you're given the power to pause. And like go to the bathroom and get something to eat. Or... No. Anyway, I think couldn't pause that last hour though. Oof. No, God, it all lies in that last. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, well, I feel like oh. we've been pretty thorough we about the Irishman. We haven't talked about the performances. We'll say the cute bits. Oh wait, can I just flag? No, no, no. <laughs> My favorite bit in this film, aside from the last twenty minutes, I would say, is when Al Pacino, who's playing <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa, gets charged at with a gun in a courtroom. <laughs> yeah. And what's his face? The guy from Fargo. Jesse Plemons. Yeah. He like charges the gunman and takes him down. And Al Pacino's character is there going, this is my boy. Because he plays his son. He's like, this is my boy. I'm so proud of him. I taught him well. Because if it's a gun, you charge. If it's a knife, you run. Gun, <laughs> you charge. Knife, you run. And it's just so yeah. funny. Oh. It's very so lovable. Funny. Despite like murdering a lot of people. Oh, God. It's I, like, these performances are really I position good. that we save performances for Compare the Picks because yeah. we can talk about them all there and I have so much to say about these performances. Yeah, I think I do too, right. especially because we've got the same actors. All right. It'll all be right. a good comparison because I feel like they're okay. still a little bit different. Motion, pa- a, a past, adjourned? Past. You're the lawyer. You're literally yeah, the lawyer. Know. Anyway. Let's do the next film. (laughs) Once Upon a Time in America is a 1984 crime drama film uh, directed by Sergio Leone and it's also starring Robert De Niro and James Woods. Woods, he's like a really recognisable face. I don't know if you know his name though. Like I didn't know his name. Do you reckon? He's, a, like he's not around that much now, but he was in, uh, was he in Olympus' Fallen? He was or White? in White House Down. He was in White House Down. I saw him in The Virgin Suicides like last night. Like that's what I watched Is he like night. one of the dads or he's something? He's the dad. He's the dad. Oh, yeah, he's really good in that. that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's actually an Italian-American venture. Um, funnily enough, Sergio Leone 
picked up Once Upon a Time in America in favour of directing The Godfather, which went to Coppola and, like, <laughs> earned him all the nods in the world. Um, get off his dick, everyone, but whatever. Um, so <laughs> the film was a bit of a passion project and it's also it exists within this trilogy mm. of films um, produced by... Leone, um, it's called like the Once Upon a Time uh, trilogy. So it's Once Upon a Time in America with Once Upon a Time in the, in West, the West and Duck, You Sucker. Which um, is also Once Upon a Time in the what? Which is yeah, subtitled what is it? another. Subtitled is Once Upon a Time, Wait, The Revolution. In the, re- the Revolution. Oh, the revolution. Yeah, Duck, You Suckers is something else. Um, but Suck. yeah, they're all these sort of like Italian reflections of America. I don't mm. know. I find him so interesting. Very so interesting. Continue your um, intro. The film tells the story kind of in the same way uh, as the Irishman of um, David Noodles Aronson, Noodles. who is a street kid in Manhattan um, in sort of like the 20s and it's sort of about him, about him and his, you know, cheeky little gang, gang of, of street rats. petty gang street of young rats. little sexual assaulters. Yes, oh, yeah. And all the, and then they're like growing up and the corruption of them and how they become gangsters and yeah. it's like this very elongated version of events yeah. and yeah it's it's pretty devastating in the end we um it's i think the twist is pretty strong i agree i what's yeah. max wait that he kind of yeah that so max, max lives, who, or that he like the called max, in he dubbed them in or whatever that max is entire that max yeah. ultimately so essentially the the boys they have this pact when they're kids that they're gonna pull like 50 percent of whatever money they make goes into this one big suitcase and that they're always That's in it together because they yeah. started from the streets and they're like rising in the ranks of uh, bootlegging during prohibition and stuff like that. And um, ultimately it's revealed like, so three of them die and Robert De Niro is like, oh, okay, well then I'll go into hiding and feel guilty my whole life because mm. he turned them in so that he could save their lives because James Woods was just like, would never just stop. Too he was just getting too reckless. Yeah. And um, it's revealed at the end that James Woods actually orchestrated, he wanted Robert De Niro to do that so that he could orchestrate his own death so that he could take the money for himself and start not have life. to share the money with them and start a new life in good books with all the union bosses and stuff. Yeah, he sort of um, has corrupted the mm, ultimate you know, betrayal. Yeah. Friends inside the police force. It's, yeah, it's this huge betrayal. Um, and I think that's um, accomplished fairly well. In the way that I'd say the the length of the Irishman is felt, I think it's felt here, but probably not in a good way. Like when I'm looking at this sort of like reflection on one character or a couple characters' lives, it's like I, I absolutely agree that like we have to feel the like like the scale, but this just felt like it dragged. Like it beginning in the twenties for some reason and ending where it did, it felt like such a long draw of time. Mm. Mm, guys, for me, the the time is just as effective here as it is in Irishman for very different ways. To me, the length of the Irishman serves to reflect uh, how Frank just keeps on going and going and going, never stopping to think about the moral implications of things until the end where it feels like it starts to slow down like the pace of things slows down and you can feel him having time to contemplate over what a, like a weak yeah. moral life he's lived. Hmm. To me, once upon a time in America, the length of it is about, it's all about reflection and memory and like regret because we, we jump around so much from Robert De Niro as like an old, as an older man, like trying to piece together this puzzle 
I think it feels like the film opens and closes in an opium den mm. where he's all dazed and out of his mind almost to dull the sense of, like, regret over the way that things have turned out. And I think that's served by the length here. I definitely, I think our perception of this film, you know, even now, like, it's called a masterpiece all the time. It's regarded mm-hmm. as one of those classics, but it has a really interesting, like, thing with it. The, so the studio gave him the money to do it and they're like, you have to, it has to be under... 180 minutes or we mm. won't release it mm. and leone he probably never intended to do that he turned in his car yeah and it was, he'd been working for like a decade like yeah. he said and he was mm. like here it is mm. and they made him cut it down to 130 minutes and that cut is famously like it was on all of these Awful. worst Awful. of the movie lists from mm. people that were like i saw it at i, I saw it at festivals and it was like the most amazing film but mm. it's like literally it's nonsensical like it yeah, doesn't it was edited by the guy that did oh it's like it's like some com- It's something really dumb. I can't remember. I read it. He edited like Porky's or something. Like literally mm. someone like that. Why did is it a Porky? Yeah, oh, no, it's so a Porky kind of Anyway, um, <laughs> and I think that the pace here gives this film such a sense of like contemplation and regret and just like I, I think where yeah I don't know. I, I, yeah, that I works for me here. I I also can like just in terms of the connection between the Irishman and Once Upon a Time in America, we're looking more. It isn't that superficial, like the gloss of the, you know, gangster crime, epic crime, whatever drama film, where that's not our primary concern. Our primary concern is the betrayal and the guilt and the loyalty that's sort of abandoned and whatever. And that's what we're sitting with. But I don't know that it's felt as much in this film because I don't know how much we can uh sort of it sounds it sounds unfair to say obviously like they couldn't have the technology but you're being brought out of it because you have child actors as like because it is across like spanning a lifetime you have different actors playing the same characters so in my mind in any film that does that I'm playing catch up with who is who you just kind of didn't buy it yeah I don't know and Mm, obviously like this film can't benefit from like the CGI technology that the Irishman does but I just felt like I was brought out and then like they really tried to bring me back into these characters that's such a point I was going to bring up with Irishman I want to let Liz speak though because we haven't heard from her yet but I'll bring that up in a sec because I have a very interesting like a different thought completely on the whole de-aging thing yeah (laughs) I think this movie really suffers for coming out after The Godfather like I feel really bad for Sergio Leone that he was like, no, I'm not going to do The Godfather. I want to do this one. I like, wouldn't want to do The Godfather. <laughs> I want to do this one. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> and like coming out after The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2, which mm. De Niro is also in, mm. which is really beautiful, like really? similar lyrical storytelling, actually analyzes like what it means to be American, mm. to come from Europe and be American, be mm. a migrant, build a life for yourself. Mm. In this movie, all the characters are Jewish and that doesn't come across at all. Yeah. They all just seem kind of Italian, like Leone. Yeah. I did not get a sense of place apart from the architecture, which yeah. was like pretty stunning at times, but I felt like coming out, I, I'm so devastated this movie came out after the wave of gangster films had already started because. If this had it's started it, it doesn't it feel like an, an 84 thing. Come in 84. Yeah. It feels really late um, for gangster films. Yeah, totally. I, I I think that this film distinguishes itself in so many important ways. I think Leone is so interesting in that he, you know, his, like, people, huh. now when we talk about <laughs> Westerns, people always say, like, the spaghetti Western, whereas actually the yeah, spaghetti Western is an Italian reaction to Western. Italian. That's what's so interesting about Leone. Like, he looked at American values of the Western and went, I'm going to take that but bring kind of what we said last week with 
Black Christmas, like the <laughs> avant-garde, like he makes it dark. Like he was like, I'm going to make the Western darker, bloodier. I'm going to give it more of like an avant-garde yeah, direction the sense. the characters are more cynical. And here, yeah, and here you get the sense that he's been looking over at America and going like, oh, I want to make like my own mob movie. I want to make yeah. a crime movie. Yeah, and I, I think he does that so much. I think like, you know, has the gorgeous score by, I can't pronounce his name, Anichio Morricone. Morricone. Morricone, who, yeah. I like was not even crazy about the score. Yeah. I love it. That theme, like, I remember that Alan theme. Alan Silvestri's like Forrest Gump I thought it came up at dumb time. I couldn't tell you what the score was. I don't remember it. Oh, I so distinctly remember it. I I love the score. And it's Morricone. Like, how could I not like it? And I did. I think I hadn't appreciated that as much um, as I realised until you brought that up, Eliza. This film doesn't feel like it situates itself in the culture that gangster films tend to lean towards in the way that The Irishman does and in the way that most of them benefit from. I'm not feeling that cultural divide or the, you know, sort of cultural like isolation of the fact that they're like, okay, we, we are, are criminals. Yeah, we're criminals mm. and we are banding together. And beyond that, we're like, we are immigrants. You know, we are like an ethnic minority. This is like how we identify. Like they don't identify as, you know, Jewish in the way that like I sort of want them to in the way that, you know, it's easy for like the Italian-American thing to sort of come out organically of the Irishman. In this case, I'm just like, where is that? Like, I miss it. Um, and I didn't really realise that until you said that. Yeah, I think, like, aside from my issues with that, with, like, place and the setting and stuff, yeah. I think Leone really kind of fucked up his main character. I think yeah. Noodles is, like, Noodles at is... some point I had no sympathy but also no interest in him. Whereas Frank Sheeran, who is also a terrible person, yeah. I would, like, watch another three hours of. Yeah. And it's played, that's so interesting because mm. it's played by the exact same It's the same, same boy, yeah. yeah. And, like, I love Robert De Niro. He's so handsome. He's beautiful. He's a yeah. great actor. And in this, he's doing all the heavy lifting. I feel like Noodles, like, oh, I'm already comparing, but Frank Sheeran, he's, he's interesting to watch because the whole movie, you are trying to do the understanding for him yeah. of, like, what's going to happen to you? How can you make up for the evil things you've done? And by the end of the movie, you know more than him. Yeah. And you're like, you're a monster and you don't get it. And that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. In this movie... He seems to know he's doing the wrong thing when he rapes multiple women like yeah. every 10 minutes in the movie. Yeah. And he seems to only regret it as much as he regrets like killing doing some, being rude to a friend. Yeah. Or like, yeah. But you know, some more like minor crime. And I'm like, you lost me, bud. Like you're spending, Leonie spends way too much time on other like union stuff after the main character rapes the love of his life. Yeah. It moves on. And the same sad Alan Silvestri kind of music plays mm. during scenes of like union, like. Union Fun, woes. like, shenanigan yeah, crime yeah. scenes, chase scenes. I'm like, you have lost me. Like, I but don't I care. The he language just of the monster. films is very different. Like, I do think that, like, I think that the sexuality, the sexual violence in Once Upon a Time in America makes me really uncomfortable. But I think that his his story of, like, like you described, the way that that rape scene comes about, I think that that feels... Like it completely serves the idea that we equally get a character quite similar to Frank Sheeran who mm. does go so internal and you just get the sense that he will, that is such a moment. So essentially the love of his life, uh, he's discovered that she's moving to like LA to be a star and um, they've had this gorgeous date and he, on the ride home to take her home, but he rapes her because it's like the last time he thinks he might ever see her. I think it presents a really interesting like slip into how the people around him in the new world that he's kind of walked into 
like navigate their world in that it's like snap judgments and men taking what they want. Mm. And I think that there isn't much said about it beyond then. You just see him retreat from this world. And I think yeah. I, I think I think it is just as effective as in um the Irishman as where like, you know, the last 20 minutes of that movie leaves us to contemplate yeah. and look at how small he's become. I love that after that, I don't love, I think it's tragic that after that attack on the woman that he loves so much, he sees what his friends have become mm. and what the life he lives has become and how far they've come from the boys that they were mm. so that he slowly goes to that point of betraying his friends, to me, it like yeah. is quite an authentic shift. I mean, I think what, I, I want to feel like I like that reading of it, but I don't know that I can have, I can take it because of how gaudy it begins with the whole thing with Peggy, which is like the young girl that all of them as little young pranksters sort of like prostitute for sweets. Yeah. It just feels gaudy and like, oh, these silly little boys in the 20s, like. You know, fooling around, Tom fooling yeah. around with this young girl. And it and it sets up this weird sort of like, I don't know, apology around it. It's it feels strange. I don't know that I um that I can have that yeah, read. I definitely agree. There are elements of his of uh Noodles arc that aren't as like <laughs> ele- noodles ele- are. it's funny noodles. like this monster, this noodles. Noodles. <laughs> <laughs> of his arc that aren't as elegantly expressed. But to me I also just admire the film's I think I love that it is so grand and epic, but there's a big old simplicity to it that means that the length always serves that it actually has a very specific thing to say. Hmm. I think it's really effectively plotted. Like one of my favourite things is that... Like the pace he, is nice. Because I, I think he really cleverly uses a change of like flashback, like the, the jumping between timelines really hmm. well. I love that he um gets out of... You know, when he gets out of jail, that's the first time we see Noodles now as like Robert De Niro, a bit older. Mm. And because he's just gotten out of jail, he's being introduced to this world just as we are. And I think it allows, like things like that I think are really elegantly done that kind of keep me with it pretty effectively throughout so that each timeline Mm. has a different thing going for it. Even though I do think that as they're being, like when they're children, that's the most um, exciting timeline of the film. I agree. I think like when the movie started, the first 20 minutes to like half an hour almost like wordless and I was like wow this is really something special yeah but as it went on I think the more you see of the character and compared to the Irishman you do see more of these characters like you see them from when they're like 10 to when you know he's laying out in an opium den to when Mm. he's like gray head and coming out of jail Mm. it made me think like these characters don't have as much of an inner life as I feel they should so that when they did awful awful things and then the movie wanted to swing back around and make us feel bad for them because they feel sorry for it and they have yeah. regrets. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. And like, like you did that in that moment. Yeah. I'm like, I know everything you've been through. I've seen you since you were a child. Nothing accounts for that. Yeah. And I don't care to find out more. And yeah. like yeah. when after the rape scene, like there are many rape scenes yeah, and often the women like it and they come back and they're like, hey, can I be like your girl now? And you're like, oh my God. Which, like, might be accurate to the time period, but there's just so much of it. It feels problematic. And at some point after, like, he rapes Elizabeth McGovern, his love interest, they're like, mm. all right, let's go on this crime spree. And some guy's like, it's a suicide mission. I was like, good. Yeah. Die. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's time to go. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we, it's time to compare the picks and mm. see where yeah. the chips fall. And 
now it's time to compare the picks. So I'd like to start with the performances because we've got actors mm. of the same yeah. in the same film. So let's start with De Niro because that just feels like Ooh. where we're supposed to start. Um, this uh, the Irishman to me was his best performance. Damn, and I think like, he's incredible in this film. He's so good in in, this, in Irishman. And yeah. like this, like this is like the guy who did Taxi Driver. Like De you've Niro. seen him be like a passionate character yeah, before. You've seen him be, and you've seen him be a much more exaggerated character before. Like even in um, what is it, King of Comedy? So yeah. it's called. Like you've seen him be big, like characterized, go big, big and yeah. caricatures, and this is. Such a nuanced performance. Mm. The bit, if I were to point you to any moment in the film, it would be when he calls Joe. Jimmy Hoffa, Joe, Jimmy Hoffa's wife, Joe, to sort of, you know, console her after he has killed her husband. And he, 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 he stutters in this bizarre way. It is so, like, I've never ever seen a more real performance. Mm. He's like, I don't know. There's it's something, hard for me something to very stirring about it. Yeah, it's hard for me to distinguish in The Irishman what makes each individual performance great. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I think the point about the performances in The Irishman that excites me the most is that hmm. you are watching these people whose every word is so explosive mm. in how incre- like how iconic these actors are in, in the sense that like watching, you know, there's a real sense of like getting the band back together with this yeah, cast yeah, and yeah. watching them all be in a space together, it's just, it's always amazing to me to watch people that like when you see them in like interviews and stuff, they seem like, you know, like old dudes, like they're yeah. just old people. And then yeah. in a movie you're like, yeah. you like listen to each other. Like you, every every choice is so, yeah, I keep going back to the word like explosive. De Niro yeah. in this film mm. makes choices that just are so alive. Yeah. And like and behind every word there's a thousand things. Like the second that he's told... He has, he like Joe Pesci is like you're you're gonna kill Hoffa for us. Mm. At every moment, he looks like he's about to say something. It looks uh, like he's about to be like, oh, I'll we'll actually, or like, oh, yeah. get yeah. someone else to do it, or oh, no, mm. At, and like. He never says it. There's always yeah. something going on. I love that he plays Frank as like kind of a dumbass even. <laughs> yeah, Frank seems, Frank he thinks he can quiet. get away with everything. And yeah. you're like, what are you doing? You're such a bad liar. Like he's yeah. not emotionally intelligent at all. A hundred percent. Even the fact that he, he sort of like speaks through like, oh, you need to use this gun and you don't want to use a silencer because blah, blah, blah. So yeah. There's obviously some kind of strategy to everything he does, but also so much of it just feels like Very dumb thuggish logic. Like this feels so fluky that he is the last one standing, yeah. that he is the one who has to sit with his guilt. It's kind of Literally. like, ha- why did that happen to him? It just kind of, it was kind of a fluke. Exactly. And then that almost feels in the end, like his, like, th- like the punishment for his crime it's is karma. that he did actually have he's that fluke. Left. Like he was the lucky one. So he's the last one left and he has Your to prize sit with his Irish. It's his <laughs> yeah. Irish luck. <gasps> he's a leprechaun. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> the other thing I would like to say about the Irishman is that I love how unsexy this film is there isn't anything cool about these performances and if you're going to juxtapose this because it is getting the band back together we've got joe pishy pishy harvey Keitel, only for a bit but yeah he's a bit underused um, a bit underused because i love the man um and we've got al pacino (laughs) and like fuck al pacino did like 
He's hilarious. He did everything. He did like his Carlito's so way. Amazing. He's, he's so done, hilarious in this film. He's so funny. When he stands at the table, he's getting angry. He's like, his and he's this, he's his yelling and he's stuttering <laughs> over every word. He's it's that obvious thing he's trying to come up with, like how to insult these people. And it's oh so uncool in a way that humanizes <laughs> the entire experience. I feel so it feels very grounded. These performances feel grounded. What about Lil Pesci as well at the end yeah. when he's doing like old acting, like older yeah. he is? He looks like, he looks little, like little Yoda. Yoda. Oh, oh my God. He does look like Baby Yoda. Yeah, like he's thing. like trembling. Yeah. And he's you hard see to, them all. He can't yeah. eat. He can't. Um, he it's can't literally when you all wake up and talk to people about being like, my God, being so old that every yeah. step is like a trek. Oh like, God. That he just, oh you know God. the scene where he's trying to walk, where Robert Jones is walking down the hall and he like falls? Like, oh, yeah. Like mm. being that old that you are just like barely yeah. functioning. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's funny because Max, my boyfriend, actually criticized the movie because he was like, even in the scenes where they're young, because of their digital de aging thing, De Niro will have this relatively smooth, like youthful face. But he has his old man physicality because mm. they can't see you. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so he moves like an old dude. Thing I have. Yeah, a, let's I, talk about I, that. I do think on one hand, this film is the most I've ever gotten over the uncanny valley thing. Of okay. I go like, I don't know when this. In some scenes, you know, but sometimes you don't know, and mm. you also just regardless get used to it very quickly. Mm. That being said, exactly what Once Upon a Time in America does is is what scares me a, a bit about what the Irishman does in the sense that. It's such an exciting, awesome part of cinema history to see different actors play younger versions of actors. Yeah. Like that should always be the like literally Robert De Niro did it Doing in the, the Godfather best Part Two. Playing young he did, uh, played <laughs> yeah. a young Marlon Brando. And like, it's so that's a big yeah. part of his career, and it's such an exciting part of his of like films to be to like see, this yeah. person's playing a younger version of this person. Mm. So I don't know why we need. Like the de aging thing sometimes is know. suitable. I just wonder. That being said, in this movie, it means we get more Robert De Niro and we get more Al Pacino and Which stuff. Which is, but so, yeah, we're so lucky for that. I don't know. I don't know that. It, like, I was brought out of these characters in Once Upon a Time in America. And I don't know if that's just like an implication in every double cast. Did you ever not know who was who, though? I always know who not was so who. Not so much, it's but it's always the catch up. It's always like the, okay, that's that person. Like, even if I'm not having to mull it over and think about it, I'm still like. Having I, to have a moment I definitely with it. agree. I, I feel, want to be more, conscious I of feel it. more for the characters, as in I feel like I know them more inherently yeah. in the Irishman. Because we mm. know, because it's, it's Robert De Niro the Once Upon a Time in America to me is just, it has a West, to me, the atmosphere of Once Upon a Time in America excites me so much more than the Irishman does. Like, really? it's a, it just feels like so sad and like in a way that I know the Irishman the thing we're applauding is that it isn't that sexy Goodfellas thing yeah but it still feels more like clippy and like we're you know we're bouncing off each other and we've got things to do and yeah. we're always like we're doing this thing and this thing and this thing whereas like mm. there is such a meditative quality mm. to Once Upon a Time in America that I love mm. um I think an interesting comparison with these films is uh they both have that sense of, you know, big important director being like, I'm going to make my big important yeah, movie where I can spend all project. this money and make this yeah, big this grand time. thing. Mm. And The Irishman, no doubt about it, feels less gratuitous in that sense. It's yeah. a thing that I think about um, yeah. Apocalypse Now where I'm like, oh, yeah, big important director is like, here is my masterwork yeah. where I spend th- like millions of dollars to make this thing that has all men in it and yeah. like every woman in it gets slapped <laughs> at some point and like, I am so self-important. There is a quality to once upon, ta- once upon a time in America of that, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, I would have to agree. I think 
it's worth noting, yeah, that um, both films were sort of struggles. based on. Oh. oh no, no, you go. I'm sorry. I was going to say like they're both based on um, memoirs, which might yeah. add to that. The idea that Scorsese and Leone are both like this story speaks to me so much. Yeah, I want to really capture something. all of it. Yeah, and then because of that, that's what I was sort of mm. going to. I'll jump off from there. Like they went into very troubled sort of productions and like developments because yeah. of that, because there are so many voices to be heard. And the yeah. timing was bad for Leone and yeah. it was really good for Scorsese. That's so Scorsese. true. Because yeah. he waited until the timing was perfectly right to use his technology. Yeah. I would also say that another thing that um, that the Irishman does that it I thought benefits from, but someone I was talking to didn't like it so much, the fact that we do have that um, uh, Robert De Niro sort of breaking the fourth wall and everything because he's – sort of acting as a pseudo-narrator and that is kind of like in Wolf of Wall Street. Someone I was talking to was saying like, oh, like it feels like Scorsese's like trying to do a new thing a little bit and that's like a bit tacky. Oh, I feel like he's been Hasn't doing that for whole, like That's like a years. distinguishing characteristic of his films. Like what? Goodfellas. Yeah. They all have that Great. narration as well. Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, no. Is yeah, he has a yeah, constant narration talking to presumably just his audience. No, Taxi Driver's King like Comedy. him talking to himself. That's Mean Streets as well crazy. has Harvey Keitel being like, let Guys, me explain my story to you. Right it's now. the useful thing. We hate you. It's That's like why. I feel like shots. maybe it's just an aesthetic thing. Narration. And like this is so much more direct than... No, I love you know, it because else. he has no one left to, like he, he has no one left to talk to. He's fucking alone. So of course he's going to talk to the camera. He's like, "Hi, you don't think I'm a dick, right? <laughs> Here's my <laughs> awesome my funny life. I killed my best friend." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like that's what it is. Wow, so. I just got schooled. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, podcast <laughs> over. Anyway, I, I guess think, yeah. And I I I actually like when watching both of them, I was like crazy comparison this week. I think they're both about death and like in completely different death. ways. Mm. They're both about like they're both about how meaningless this dumb industry is in very different ways. To me, uh-huh. once upon a time in America has the perspective of being like a long, long drawl, like a Western to realize <laughs> that there was no point behind any of this and they were so close yeah. as friends as kids, they could have just been that the whole time. Yeah. And the Irishman's perspective on death, I love so much. Every time you meet a new character. There's the subtitles that say how they die. Yeah. And as it's soon like as they literally pop up. in this movie, death is sudden, random, ugly, has no point. And, and kind of deserves. It's gonna ha- yeah, it's and so, it's just so gonna happen certain. to everyone. Yeah. And you know what? If you live to the very end of it, like yeah. good job. Like, no, no, who but cares? even then, if you live to the end of it, like you're suffering the most. Literally, like, it's like who who This is even the worst fate of all cares? like his fate. Like is my the worst big thing was I was just like, why would you do this? Because literally you just imagine Frank sitting in his little retirement mm. home being like I won. Yeah. Like, and like, what? He has Who all the prizes. He like he has the watch that Jimmy gave him. He has, him. He has ring. the ring that Joe Pesci gave him. He has these badges. Yeah. And you're like, woo. And he's there sitting <laughs> by himself. You got it, buddy. You did looking it. Looking at photos of the daughters that don't like him yeah. and don't know him. But yeah. equally, there's that's present in Once Upon a Time in America. It, it's present, he, but it's not as pertinent. What's his name? I've come here for James, James. No, James. Oh. Well, Max. Woods character. Max, <laughs> Max James. invites him after all these years to be like, I betrayed, (laughs) I literally gave up everything in my life Mm. to be this successful and now I want you to be the one to kill me because I regret every minute of it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just not as pertinent to me and I think that's why I'm saying it's definitely the Irishman for me. What about you guys? It's the luck of the Irish. I really, really prefer the Irishman to Once Upon a Time in America. It's Once Upon a Time in America. Wow. He's just doing that to be controversial. I'm so happy that- We've had lots of people give the feedback that on this podcast, because we all love love each other very much and we're easily swayed Uh, by each other's big old brains, a lot of the time we come in with a perspective and we shift. Mm. And sometimes that has genuinely happened. But I came in here being like, 
I enjoyed Once Upon a Time in America more. It was genuinely a, a part for me is the like clippy pace of the Irishman meant that I don't, I, I feel like I'm not on board with what's happening at every uh, moment. You think not it's in just a convoluted polished? sense. Yeah. I think it's just like assumes that it doesn't matter if you know every second oh. of what's going on, but so much is happening at every second. And I'm like, wait, what? The thing mm. that always draws me back in though is like that it's a funny film and the banter between characters and stuff. But mm. to me, you don't follow it at every moment. You kind of, yeah, to me, there's just like a lot going on that kind of makes me go like, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, mm. it, the Irishman feels like you're trying to fit a lifetime into a movie. And Once Upon a Time in America feels like it's making the very concise choice to use its length to be about the passage of time. Mm. And I think it's atmosphere and I think it's scope. I think it's the way that people describe a lot of films as epic and that supporting a film I had with this film. Yeah. And I loved it. I know what you mean. Like it has this spiritual quality and it'll slow down in moments and be like, this is what you should be living for and like nice moments mm. with the girl and stuff. Yeah. I just. No. I, I'm just happy. Like, yeah, I really like did not connect with the movie at all. I was actually a bit annoyed by and it. I, so yeah. I'm really like happy yeah. to talk with someone who likes it. Yeah, it. I did. I liked it a lot. Oh. It's once upon a time in America for me. I loved well, both our films this week, and I'm really glad I've seen them both. Yay. I loved. Congratulations! Lost, this is my first time. I have, I've I've lost. I think it is. Yeah, no, it's Olympus has fallen. Didn't. Yeah. Oh, it didn't really win. We didn't really <laughs> pick a winner. Well, actually, uh, White House down won. Wasn't there a tie? In the polls, yeah. in the polls in the White polls. House down won by far. Yes. Well, congratulations, so though, to, to the Irishman, obviously. Yeah. But Congrats. also to Nola. That was a very good contention. Thanks. I liked I tried. your reasoning I feel there. like sometimes I got a you bit scared because you guys are really clever. But oh, I, I dude, yeah, I, I was like, so yeah, women. Huh? This episode, <laughs> like, oh. um, but yeah, I guess it's time. I just want to eat my spaghetti. Because <laughs> it's time for Triplet in the Attic. Should we get into it? Let's do it. For Triplet in the Attic, this is our last little segment where we discuss a third piece of media. It could be a book, a movie, a song. A spaghetti. A spaghetti. And we contend that that should be a thematic um, triplet to our double feature for the week. Noel, would you like to kick things off? Yes, of course. One of, I was torn between two things this week. I'm just going to say one of them very quickly, okay. which is essentially just Luigi's doing Mansion 3. <laughs> Luigi's Haunted Mansion. Okay, <laughs> Eliza, you bitch, you just stole my triplet. <laughs> he's Italian. It's very true. Um, no, uh, so one of them is an imperson, uh, it's a YouTube, it's on YouTube. It's an interview that Nick Kroll does on Conan called, Se- it's an impression he does, uh, a character he does called 70s Eater. And it's essentially he just plays a mobster in a 70s gangster movie that eats food really enthusiastically. <laughs> and when I watched it, it just reminded me of whenever people eat in Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but my main one is you've watched... God, if you watched them together, you'd be bloody exhausted. Yeah, but you've like watched either hours. of these films and you got the spirit of, like, blood, gangsters, drive-by shootings, secret deals, um, car bombs... Uh, you know, front uh, 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 money laundering, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, you got that oh, in your blood okay, and you want to do it for yourself. You want to live that life. You want to be mm. the gangster. What you're going to do is you're going to play The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. It's a really good board game. Um, it's one that, so I'm one of those losers that has like a bunch of board games 
Eliza plays a lot of them with me. Eliza's a good judge of whether you like a book. Like, it'll be good to bring to a party because Eliza hates the ones that have, like, 4,000 rules. Oh, yeah. mm. But she likes, like, a nice – like, she loves Fog of Love. Mm-hmm. And Eliza – I feel like I've played this one with our family before and it's a it's – a, like, it's a great middle-level, like, game that you could bring to, like – you know, like, you could teach new friends how to play pretty easily. I play it with a lot of different groups of friends and essentially just – you, oh, each, I have lots of <laughs> you each operate a different uh, mafia family and it's all about trying to, like, build, uh, you know, the most respect in New York. Like, you each have, like, you try to get a lot of respect in different, like, you might be like, oh, I have Manhattan at the moment, but if I don't push a bit more for um, the, the Bronx. Bronx, then, you know, I'll lose I'll lose traction there and stuff. So I just think it kind of reflects the feel of a, of a monster movie really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love when, like, the game, like, you have a lot of movie games and the best ones are ones that feel like, like the, the like, movie, like yeah. they have a narrative no yeah. matter how you play it. I have this it. Planet of the Apes one and it feels nothing like Planet of the Apes Aww. and it really annoys me. Mm, yeah. Sad. Yeah, but that's mine this week. Yeah. Liz, what's yours? <gasps> mine is, okay, like, I feel like it, because they're Italian-American, I guess, like, mm. the movie, The Irishman, had such a dope connection to, like, food and Italian food Yum. and stuff. And I propose so that good. if you're hosting people soon... Why not do uh, the Irishman themed three course dinner? Because oh. for entree, you could have the like beautiful, fresh, like hot bread dipped in red wine that they eat. That they Isn't have when they talk about their war juices? stories. What do they say? I think it's wine at the start, and then oh. because they're in prison they're at the prison. end, they're like, oh. let's have grape juice. That's disgusting. <laughs> so sad. Sounds gross. Then for mains, you have the chili dogs steamed in beer, the Jimmy yeah. Hopper. Oh. Like, wait, the trickers, they out, steam it? it in beer. That's so how they get disgusting. the taste. No, yummy. Kitty. That sounds yum. That's gross. That's like a gross, beer batter. Beer beer no, beer batter. That's like a common thing. Beer battered hot dog. Wait, yeah. do you, but you, beer batter you're is like telling a, people I'm just saying don't to get the experience. I'm not, I don't want to promise no, it. Okay, it sounds yummy. yum. I'll go do it. If okay, anyone to host this yeah. dinner, I'll and do And then that. you know what the dessert would be, right? Yeah. Cannoli. <laughs> It'll be a little ice little cream things. sundaes that oh, Jimmy yeah. Hoff always has. Sorry. Jimmy Hoff always eats. Them. And he's and like, sorry, this one's for me and Peggy. When he gets and for drinks, you can just have the watermelon with vodka in it. Yeah, vodka watermelon. Oh, yeah. That bit's I forgot so that. Weird. That's a good bit. I like it. Does he know that there's vodka in it? I don't no. get it. Does no. he not know? Or maybe he knows and he appreciates it. I mean. wonder, like, does he appreciate that Frank doesn't have it? Because Frank doesn't eat his. He doesn't. He doesn't. Because I remember noticing Ooh. it. Probably doesn't know how to eat. Just a side idiot. note. One yeah. time I tried to do that, like, you know, infuse a, like, vodka into a watermelon. Yeah. It just didn't work. What do you mean? How? I don't know. It mustn't have been As ripe it was enough. watery or... or what? No, like, I cut it open and just, like, vodka, like, slipped off the top. <laughs> <laughs> the watermelon just tastes like watermelon. Oh, really? Aww. Yeah. Aww. Bummer. I don't know. Sorry, man. But, yeah, do that. Like, have people over and have the movie on. And, like, it's a great idea. Do the meal. Meal. That's a good idea, Eliza. Thank it's you. long enough as well for three courses. Yeah. It's yeah. like very, yeah, it's a really good, good idea. choice. Um, my triple in the attic is a pretty kosher one. I'm just going to recommend Goodfellas because oh. I'm a real mm. nerd of the genre itself and it's a pretty textbook um, gangster movie. It's good. It's, it's a good movie. I don't know what to tell you. I love it. <laughs> um, sorry. No one's looking at me in real <laughs> disgust. I cannot believe you just Just because you think it's people. too basic Why? for a triple What's in the wrong attic. What's with that? You just recommended good. That's like if I was like, Kids, you guys have um, the Bible. It's like a really you know, you know what? Book. You go home and you're a bit parched. Why don't you try water? Um, <laughs> you come I'm from the sorry. Town. I just feel like this is like a cultural bedrock of like. It is. That's why everyone will know of it and have seen it. <laughs> well, but they should watch it again. Oh God, get me off this podcast! God damn it! You're gonna be swimming with the fishes soon. Get I, in the I don't boat. know what's the comeback. Go out and have a nice swim. Know. Okay. 
(laughs) 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 Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening to this week's episode of Twin Picks. We really appreciate um, your support. Um, We'd also love it if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. We have been, like, saying do it on any of the apps, but I don't think you can leave reviews on. It's just on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so we love that and we also love it when you recommend it to your friends and family. Um, Also, if you want to get in touch, if you want to recommend a movie, we've had people contacting us on our Instagram, which we love, and you can also email us at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we really do love your recommendations and we are getting on top of them as we speak. Um, Liza, did you want to mention Rough Cut? Yeah, why not go on roughcutfilm.com. It's a movie website I run with some other friends and, yeah, it's almost a year old. That's so, it. So yeah. do we want to speak about what we're doing next week? Oh, I'm so excited to kind speak about what one. we're doing next week. I'm literally yeah. so excited. I actually wasn't sure if we wanted to speak about it. It's that big. No, let's do it. Yeah, this is huge. <laughs> this is huge. So seeing as we will be into the new year, new I decade. Think, will it come out? New decade. Oh, scary. I feel I, th- I think, I think uh, the episode after this one might come out just before the new year. Okay, anyway. okay, okay. So in the new year, yeah. in 2020, <laughs> our very first episode of the new decade, the Roaring Twenties, Will be us looking back on the year that was. 2019. 2019. The year in Twin Picks or something. We'll yeah, think we'll think of something cool. And it's going to be yeah. a double header episode. So yeah. two weeks in a row, you'll be listening to all yeah. of our favorite So we're going to go through our top 10 Ooh, of the yeah. year. We're going to do, and we have lots of different things. We won't tell you, we have a lot of little surprises, but yeah. we'll also do like. Yeah. It's sure to be a contentious yeah. one We'll too. do like best performance and our favorite scene yeah, of the and year. And some guest appearances. Some guest appearances. I don't know who that could be. But yeah, um, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. But yeah. So thanks so much. And also happy new year to every all our listeners because yeah. you'll be listening to this just before the new year. Yeah, true. Um, and we, we appreciate, we've appreciated your support so much this year. It's meant a lot to us kicking things off. You're part um, of the family. Yeah, we yeah. really, it's been very special. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks Please. so much, kid. I don't know, what's the thing that gangsters hey, say? Like, forget about it. Like, forget about it. Here. Hey, forget about it. Family is family. Yeah.